I recently asked people on Facebook what they were doing when they were listening to my podcast. Many people were driving, some were doing household chores, some were in the bathtub, some were having a cup of tea or coffee, and there were lots and lots of people who were picking up manure. So I decided to make a podcast that would connect all of those activities to horsemanship. Are you curious? All right, keep listening. Here we go, episode 29, a pod about listening to the pod. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. This podcast is brought to you by the Dressage Naturally video classroom and the Dressage Naturally book, which I'm going to reference. And when you start your um, access to the video classroom, you actually get a chance to get the book at a really good discount. You can go directly there to DNC, Dressage Naturally Classroom, dnc.dressagenaturally.net. I'm so glad that I made that Facebook post asking the question of what you guys are doing while you're listening. Uh, it was so interesting. And I was just imagining you, know, you guys doing it. And of course, everything I want to try to connect to, how can, how can anything that we're doing help us make our horsemanship better? <laughs> this is, I, I think about this at night when I'm asleep, I dream about it. I think about it all the time, trying to make these connections, right? Because maybe you're like me, you're completely obsessed <laughs> with trying to figure out how to do this as best we can. And I realized that each, each activity or each thing that you guys said could directly relate. So I thought I just kind of muse. It's going to be one of my musings, uh, but there's actually some really good teaching points in here. That's the other thing I can't, I can't not do. I can't not make a teaching point out of something. So, uh, so thank you for listening to this really weird episode about listening to episodes. Now, a lot of you said you were doing household chores, folding laundry, something like that. And I don't know about you, but chances are, maybe there's some of you who really enjoy such activities. Uh, I actually have a sign in my house, it's in my kitchen, and it says, I understand the concept of cooking and cleaning, but not as it applies to me. I could really relate to that. So yeah, laundry folding, emptying dishwashers, doing dishes, not my favorite activity, but it gets done. And so often I will listen to podcasts when I'm folding laundry too, or TED Talks or whatever it is that I want to do. It's a great chance to do it. Now, <laughs> it means I'm a really slow laundry folder, but that's okay. It gets done and it makes it more enjoyable. So listening to something you enjoy listening to while you're doing an activity that you don't really enjoy is actually an example of 
what we would in animal training call um, counter conditioning. So you, you pair it with something positive. When you take something that's naturally kind of aversive or that your, you or yourself or your horse doesn't like for whatever reason, you can counter condition it, pair it with something positive and they can learn to enjoy it more. A lot of people in the post, uh, when I asked about what you're doing, mentioned things like this, like normally I hate my commute to work, but now it's actually enjoyable. I usually hate housework, but the listening to the podcast makes it more enjoyable. And if you're like me, you might even find that if you want to listen to something, if there's a TED talk I want to listen to or a podcast I want to listen to, uh, sometimes it's hard for me just to sit still and do nothing. You know, all like, oh, well, this is a great excuse to listen to this podcast because I'll like empty the dishwasher and fold the laundry. And then it feels like I'm doing something. <laughs> Am I the only one who has to do these little brain contortions? And when I, when I feel like I'm not working hard enough, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it anyway. So how can we, you know, if you've, ex if you've experienced that with yourself, that some sort of household chore becomes more enjoyable because you're pairing it with something that you do enjoy, how can we use that with our horses or are you using that with your horses? So I think it makes it easier to train it if you've experienced something like it yourself. So if you've experienced that this actually can work, then it, when you apply that technique to your horsemanship, it's going to work even better because you know what the feeling is like and you can really believe it when you're telling your horse, you know, no, look, there's like cookies over here. Or when you come to this area, this is where we get all the scratches and, you know, and the groomies or whatever it is that your horse likes. So the key is to figure out what is it that your horse enjoys enough that it could actually counter condition something that he doesn't like. And I showed this recently in a um, dressage naturally video classroom video. So if you look up the videos um, for Teo, T-E-O, there's a, a video where I do long lining, um, for thresholds. So he's on long lines in the area where he normally gets really spooky and you'll see me dealing with the thresholds, but you'll also see that I use counter conditioning um, as part of the strategy. So my assistant has hid little feed tubs full of food in the bushes. And, you know, when he says he's a little scared, I don't push him through it. I wait, I wait, I wait for him to get a little bit of courage. And with even a little bit of courage, he moves forward enough to see that there's a tub of food. And he's like, this is cool. And it actually helped to turn his um, fear into curiosity. So now when he goes over there, he's like, oh, it's a little, the bushes are rattling, but you know, there might be food over there. I wonder, I wonder if there is. Uh, so that's an example of counter conditioning. So those of you who are out there making, making not so fun chores turn into enjoyable experiences, see how you can apply that with your horses. For those of you who are driving while you're listening, hello, watch the road, hands on 10 and two. <laughs> 
And the hands-on 10 and two is actually not just, you know, safety first, but driving is actually a great time to work on your posture. Now I have noticed that most car seats are designed to fit people with really slumpy posture. I mean, if you look at the the seats, most car seats, they kind of lean back and then the headrest is pushed forward, right? So they they are built for people who are slumped back and then kind of jut their neck out. I'm horribly uncomfortable in most cars. And so I have a little pillow that lives in my car. It's my special pillow. (laughs) I have another one in my office for the same reason. And I keep it right kind of at the bra line, right? For the men out there, mid back. Well, most men know where the bra goes. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. So I have this little pillow that I put right uh, behind my mid back and it keeps my ribs pushed forward. And then I can put my head back, like tuck my chin Um, and put my neck. So my neck is back into the back of my shirt and then hits the headrest there because otherwise, you know, it's just this weird slumpy thing. So be mindful of that. And if you keep your, sorry, I have a squeaky chair. I don't know if you guys can hear that. I got to get a better podcast chair. But if you keep your hands on 10 and two, you can be more symmetrical who here right now has their left elbow up on the door, the door sill or the door handle, or if you're in the UK or Australia or New Zealand, is it your right arm? Who here's slumping off? Well, guess what? I'll bet you anything that if you have a crookedness, it matches where you lean when you're driving. It does for me. (laughs) So yeah, it's comfortable, but see if you can switch it, you know? If you need to go one way, see if you can remember to spend a little equal time the other way, put your elbow on the console or better yet, see if you can practice your posture, get a little pillow behind your back or wherever you need some support and you can practice being symmetrical. You can practice while you're driving, putting one hip forward, the other hip forward. You can do all kinds of stuff when you're driving. The hardest part is going to be to remember to do it. I can just see everybody driving just now, like stood up really straight or sat up really straight. The other thing about driving to notice is how much you don't have to think about it. It's automatic for most of you. But can you remember the first time you drove? The first, I remember the first time I drove, I was like sweating bullets, right? And um, and I learned on a stick shift. So, or, you know, young people, there's things called manual shift. Uh, so I drove a stick shift and I can remember being in an intersection at my neighborhood and I had a red light and I look over and it's like, I was like, there's one of my neighbors at that, you know, on that street, there's another neighbor. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm kind of like, I'm going to stall out shifting into first gear. (laughs) But think of like how much you had to pay attention to it and how little you have to pay attention to it now. So little attention that you're actually able to listen to podcasts and listen deeply and pick up lots of cool stuff and maybe not even have to write it down. It's going in, you're able to daydream, you're able to focus and listen. So with our horse training, 
you know, make sure that we're training with enough consistency in the basics that our horses can get some things, enough things in automatic with them, you know, and, and it probably sounds pretty obvious, but when you want to progress, you always want to be thinking the way to progress is to make sure that all the basic stuff underneath is easier and easier and easier to do. Second nature, the horse can do it in their sleep. Of course we have to pilot them, but you want to keep up leveling the conversation. You want to keep being more refined. So when you're riding your horse, think about how you're driving your car and are you able to get to a level with your horse that you are with your car that like, oh yeah, it just turns. Yeah, I just turn, I just shift. You know, it's no problem. I don't have to think about it. We don't negotiate. <laughs> I don't negotiate with my car about some things. So take a look at your riding and think, wow, how many things am I having to negotiate with? Is the gear shift a little stuck and you always have to like jam it in three times before it hits the gear? You know, is your steering wheel loose or stuck where it's really hard to turn to one side? And if that was your car, you'd bring it in the shop and be like, this needs to be fixed. But what are you tolerating with your horsemanship? So it's always appropriate to whatever level you're at. But the general idea is wherever your level is, sometimes the easiest way to progress above that is to look at everything below it and get it as much on automatic um, easy, light aids, not, no negotiation, just like driving a car. For those of you who are right now in a little bubble bath, <laughs> I'm gonna try not to picture it, <laughs> or you're sitting there in a nice comfy chair with a little blanket, having a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, you know, you're having some sort of excuse for downtime, right? You're going to, you're using my podcast as a way to just say, this is my time just to stop, stop everything, get really comfortable, slow it down and just be here and listen. So I would imagine that it's, this is all about enjoyment. So this is, is not counter conditioning, right? This is just enjoying yourself, right? This is my time. <laughs> you know, I, a, a lot of people on the Facebook post are like, this is just my special time. You know, the quiet of the day, where whatever time of day it is, it's my time to stop. It's the ritual. And so think about what does that do for you? Like what, what is, how does that make you feel? You know, it might be a range of, you know, it just feels like I'm honoring myself and, and recognizing that you know, it's okay to make myself feel good. It's like, I, I, I don't like the word deserve, but like, I deserve it. <laughs> you know, this is my time. It might make you feel just an extra layer of relaxed. It might be an act of self-love, right? So it's like, I am just going to pamper myself because I love myself so much because I am just fabulous <laughs> as we all are, right? So think about that spa day like how do you feel when you know it's coming up and you put it on the schedule and you're like oh I can't wait spa day today I get to like sit in the bubble bath and listen to the podcast and then you can think how could you do that for your horse 
I have a video in the classroom and on my blog, there's a happy horse interview series. Uh, a lot of them are posted, all of them are posted in the Dressage Naturally Land Facebook group where I interview professionals from all over the world uh, and ask them, how do you make your horse happy? And you know, do you care? <laughs> and how, if you do care, how do you make your horse happy? And in the video classroom on part two of it, I actually have a PDF that you can download and where I wrote down, uh, I think it came out to like 69, 64 or 69 things that I know make my horses happy. And I actually do have spa days built into the schedule. So I have a, a progress journal called the Happy Athlete Progress Journal, where it helps you create training plans. And one of the options of things that you could put on your horse's schedule is spa day. And the whole purpose is to help your horse feel, you know, all those things that you guys just described to help move in the computer, to help your horse feel loved and honored and like it's their special time. You know, not every horse loves baths. I, my horse Solana loves the wash stall. We can't get her out of the wash stall. She'll charge in when other horses are in the wash stall and she just wants to be shampooed and combed and brushed. And I mean, she, she would let me fuss with her all day. Natia kind of could take it or leave it. Uh, Ovation loves the attention no matter where he is. So your horse might not like being groomed, but they're gonna like something. There's something your horse likes. So, you know, when we think spa day, we think, you know, bubble baths and shampoo and haircuts, but what's your horse's version of a spa day? So Natia today, I wanted to have, I wanted today to be, she's been working really hard this week. And my intention for my time with Natia was to have her feel like that was fun. That was Natia time. It was her equivalent of spa, a spa day. And so I got on her bareback with a halter and we went across the street. She's like Dora the Explorer. She loves new areas. So I just hacked her across the street and I remembered this is for her. This is for her. So I let her wander where she wanted to go and sniff on things she wanted to sniff. And she loves looking at new things. So that could be a version of a spa day. So if you're, if you're treating yourself to a spa day, ask yourself how you could treat your horse to a spa day. Okay, for those of you who are cooking, cooking while you're listening to your podcast, I'm impressed. I'm not that great. I'm actually, I can cook. If I have the time and inclination, I can actually, so like once a year, <laughs> my friend and I get together and we cook gourmet meal for our husbands. <laughs> it's the daily cooking that I'm not so thrilled about, but I have an analogy. I have a cooking analogy that I love. And it's actually um, in the Dressage Naturally book. It's on page 170. It's in the back under the part three, the essays for success. So I thought I'd read it to you. It's really short. And I'll read you this section. When we're trying to create, this is called um, dressage soup. When we're trying to create something with our horses, it's like cooking. We have an idea of a goal, and then we prepare our ingredients and begin mixing them together. First, of course, we need to know what we need. So we think, and then we go shopping. We chop what needs to be chopped, measure each ingredient, and then add them in the proper order. 
If it's our first time cooking, we must follow the directions exactly. Although it may not taste perfect in every moment, we continue doing the recipe and trust in the process. Now, a more experienced chef knows how it should taste at each step and will make small corrections as he goes. So it's so it is with this information or any learning process. You must follow directions to get your best result. Then as you gain experience, you'll understand more about the process and you can make it to your own taste the next time. Now, sometimes during the process, you'll think, hmm, this doesn't taste right. Needs more onions. And you've got to step back and add more onion. Sometimes you'll realize that you don't have any onions chopped and you have to take time to chop more onions. Sometimes you're going to realize you don't even have onions in the house and you have to take even more time to go to the store. And this is a little like training horses. We go along and then a circumstance comes up where it becomes obvious that there's an ingredient in our training that's missing or that we need a higher standard in order to continue the progress. So this realization is a gift, although it may seem frustrating at times. It's always worth it to go all the way back to the store if you need to and get what you need. So the next time you become aware that a piece of your foundation or your basics is lacking and you feel a little frustrated, not making progress, you can just think, oh, gotta go chop some onions. <laughs> there may be some tears, but the soup will taste a lot better in the end. And that's story time with Karen about my cooking analogy, which is so ironic because, you know, I don't cook. But you get the idea. Know your ingredients. Make sure you have them prepared. And realize when you don't have any in the house. And you got to go get some. Okay. For those of you out running or walking or hiking while you're listening to this podcast, this is for you. I actually have a blog called The Sweet Spot Walking the Talk. Or in this case, Running the Talk. Because a few years ago, I actually did a marathon, my first marathon. I spent a couple of years training and preparing for it, did some half marathons and different races along the way. So I was doing a lot of miles. And of course, doing a lot of miles, as those of you who run know and, and hike, you know, your mind goes to these really, well, my mind goes to really interesting places. And I found that, you know, the first few miles, like, this, yay, I'm really, you know, I'd head out and be like, this is great. I'm a rock star. And then there's like a certain miles, like one through five, be like, Ooh, it's kind of hard. <laughs> and then you get going and then finally hit your groove. And I found like after mile eight, when I was really shaped, like mile eight to 16 was just pure bliss. <laughs> My brain would go all kinds of interesting places. I would solve all the world's problems. And then, you know, after 16, it's just, <laughs> it just hurts. <laughs> anyway, but what I would do along those as I, you know, be trotting along and I think, you know, the sweet spot analogy in dressage naturally is for every horse and every movement and every moment and every day, there's a certain combination of relaxation, energy and balance where you feel like, oh, this feels good. And you're at your maximum freedom of movement. 
maximum harmony within your own body. So can you apply that to yourselves? So you're running now. And if you're an experienced runner, you've probably got a cadence. If you've experienced hiker and you've, or if you just do a lot of walking, you'll find you find you get your groove, right? You get that groove. Well, is it the best groove? Is it the, you know, there's so many possibilities. Now, nobody trip and stumble while we're doing this, but you can change, um, you can change your tempo. You can change your length of stride. You can change how your foot's hitting the ground. Can you make your foot hit the ground so it, so it doesn't make a sound? You know, sometimes those heel first landings are not so great for your body, right? So can you change the angle that you're holding your body at? Can you go down every vertebra? and play with a slightly different alignment back to front, side to side, twisting. Do your arms move equally? Are you landing on the you know, ball of your foot, inside of your foot, outside of your foot? Can you change that? Please, no injuries. <laughs> you know, what if you use your arms, you focus on your arms more than your legs? What if you focus on your glutes? What if you focus on your quads? What if you focus on your calves? Have you thought about your breathing? How are you breathing? What's the tempo of your breathing? <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. It'll, it'll initially make things a little weirder. You'll get out of sync with yourself. But just think every single step you take, you, you, could, you might be in your optimal groove and you just know it. But you also might make a small tweak right? There might be a small tweak that you can make where you'll be freer in your gait and more harmonious in your own body than you were before. So if you want, you can go read that blog. It's called The Sweet Spot Walk in the Talk. <laughs> it's on my blog.dressagenaturally.net and uh, I muse about it. But really, if you're out there walking or running right now, how are you running? And can you change it? And might you find an even better, <laughs> freer, a, a gate that has more of the adjectives you like to feel. So there you go. And now last but not least, all the poop pickers out there. <laughs> all you guys mucking. What is it about mucking? I actually love mucking stalls. And I don't get that opportunity much. Um, number one, because I have an assistant. Number two, because my horses don't go in the stall very often. But there's, you know, this um, this year I had a horse that had an injury and then he had a colic surgery. So we spent a lot of time in the stall and I actually loved the like midnight stall picking. I go hang out with them in, in late at night, you know, do the night check and just there's something really satisfying about poop picking <laughs> that if you're not a horse person, you just don't understand. But one of the things I think is so satisfying about poop picking, especially when my horse is in the stall, because it's just non-demanding time with him, but there's something very measurable and final about it. You walk in the stall, there's poop in it. You muck it out and now there's not. <laughs> and there's and you can look at it and go, I did that. That's a beautiful stall. And so much of what we do with horses is so elusive. You know, you do that beautiful shoulder in, and unless you've got it on video, you look around and go, 
oh, <laughs> nobody saw it. I can't, you know, you have to, you have to tell a story about it. You can't just go look, look at my perfect shoulder in that I did. Or it's a feeling. And sometimes you get the video back and you're like, oh, that just looks normal. But the feeling was amazing because you know your horse made a decision. So I, I really get the satisfaction of mucking. It's that measurableness. However, there are ways that we can measure our horsemanship more. You know, and, and for those of you who maybe with your horses are just kind of like moving around a lot and you can't really, you're not really sure if you've advanced or not you know if you're if you're feeling if you don't get that feeling at the end of a ride of like I did that took my horse out I did this stuff nailed it I know for sure and you get kind of that same feeling that you get when you look at a stall you just mucked then that would be a, a, um, a little warning sign that maybe you need to find more measurable uh, more more ways to measure your success with your horse. You know, a lot of times people in the sweet spot, finding the sweet spot stage of dressage naturally, it's a lot of feel base. It's like move around and try this and try that. And it's all very free flowing um, stuff. And, you know, you just do lots of swirling around and the feeling is concrete, but it's important to then progress that. And the sweet spot concept you're going to be doing no matter whether you're out just trying to get your first working gates or you're going down the center line in your Grand Prix test, you're still making little adjustments trying to find the optimal place. So you can, you want to build in, you know, how do I know I'm in the best gate? Well, measure it. Can they do a shoulder in on a straight line from point A to point B and do an exactly a 10 meter circle on both sides? Are they symmetrical? Can you do a change lead through the trot with five strides of trot? <laughs> you know? uh, so, and that's what the tests are for. Competition tests, you don't have to compete, but you can still use the competition tests as a way to measure. And that's why I created the course called Prepare, Perform, Progress even if you don't want to, it'll help you get prepared for competition, but I encourage people to take it just because it helps you make um, measurable goals and create deadlines for yourself. So that's something you want to build into your training progress. If you find mucking really satisfying, you're probably someone who likes to say, look, there's a thing. I pick up the thing. Now the thing is gone. <laughs> Confidence, right? And, and I think this works for your horse too. Your horses are going to want measurable success. And that's why destinations are so important. And my silly horse tricks that I have uh, in videos of in the video classroom, you know, teach your horse to put your foot in a bucket. Why? Because they know they did it. They're like, the foot was not in the bucket. Now the foot is in the bucket. Nailed it. <laughs> right? So they, they get some of that satisfaction. So something to think about if you're listening while you're mucking. Also, while you're picking out that stall, I have two more tips. One, have you ever tried switching hands and doing it? If you're left-handed, hold it as if you're a right-hander. And if you're right-handed, hold it as if you're a left-hander. Really great to practice your coordination symmetrically. It's what we expect of our horses, right? So this is definitely something I do. I also, um, my back, if I do 
twisting to one side exercises asymmetrically, my back will feel it. So I actually do it um, to keep my back healthy. Um, and a little poop pick and tip. I know you guys are experienced poop pickers. I've never said the word poop so many times <laughs> in, in this short of time. Anyway, but one little tip, if you've got one of those horses that likes to smush up his poops and you get all these little tiny flakes of poops and it's hard to pick them out because they're not in one big pile. If you start, you know, just picking up the poop in the shavings and kind of throw it against the wall, you'll end up with this big sort of pile up against the wall. And you'll find if you fling it in the air, then all the little poop pieces will roll down the hill and land at the bottom of the pile free of the shavings. So again, I know you guys are experienced, but if you haven't tried that one, it's a really good method. So just start to throw it against the wall. Sometimes I'll clear a little spot away from the wall and I start throwing it away from the wall, just through the whole messy area and watch the beautiful little poop pieces roll down the front and land in a nice little line that you can pick up. <laughs> and that's it. I think those are, yep, those are all the things. I apologize if, if I did not mention the thing that you are doing while you listen to your podcast, but um, I will ask again, or you can head over to Dressage Naturally Land uh, Facebook group and uh, share what you're doing and maybe I'll make a, a part two of this. All right, guys, <laughs> enjoy. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process. <laughs>